And Salma, Associate Justina speaking. I can speak to Bogus, please. Um, sure. What's your name? Joey Jingola. Okay, hold on one second. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Your call and your business are very important to us. Please hold the line and we'll be right with you. Bogus, I can help you. Bogus, it's Joey Jingola. Hey, Joey, what's up? Not much. How you doing, sir? Good. I was your fourth. This is insurance in your own words from the people who are living and breathing it every day and are struggling to figure out where this industry is going and what they need to do to stay ahead. Hosted by me, Joey Jingola. Let's get into it. I want to get more into it because it's gotten to the point where we do it with so many companies and so many differences. There's so many differences in each company product that when we have our, our agent meetings and we have all our agents in, in, in office once a month and we talk about the new products or we have a company rep in, I've noticed that I've gotten to the point where I'm lost in the conversation sometimes as to what their product really has. Um, and that's because there's so many products out there. Yeah, sure. You know, if you ask me the next day after the conversation, I'll remember. But if you ask me two months from now, I might not remember because I'm not actively in it. So, you know, I, I, I make a point to quote a few policies a week just to be caught up to date as to what every company is doing. Well, I'm kind of really torn on this one. And that was my good buddy, Bogus Hansel of Hansel and Associates in Chicago, Illinois. And where most of the agents I'm talking to are trying to get out of quoting in the day-to-day, Bogus is actually trying to get back in it. And man, is it an interesting point of view, and man, I really don't know what I ultimately really think about it, because part of me likes it, part of me hates it, I'm not quite sure. Ultimately, it sounds like maybe Bogus, you're looking to possibly just, if I could, sell enough to stay sharp, maybe? And I kind of like that. I mean, I do... I do enjoy keeping the sh- the sh- the sword sharp. There we go. And I just I just I I don't know. I mean, there is there is something. There is just a a luxury to the freedom of not having to involve yourself with something to occupy brain space with an idea, a thing, a process, or just a thought that is liberating on a level that most of us probably can't imagine. And that's where part of me gets, that's the part of me that kind of gets depressed in this whole part of the conversation is, does Bogus really need to keep his sword that sharp? Or I guess, you know, which sword should he keep sharp? How many? Does he need more than one? You know, what's the number? I don't know, right? So obviously you're thinking about this in your agency and you're thinking, well, all right, I don't know. I kind of want to not know about this. I mean, what do you not want to know about? And I, you know, or is there, is, is there really a, a thing that you could just not know about and be okay? Now he's talking about, you know, products, policies, um, you know, what are these things covering? And all right, I kind of get it. I mean, he, he wants to kind of know the ins and outs. He maybe wants to know to help develop the sales approach. Maybe I could be down with that. From a sheer straight marketing standpoint, I don't know that. I don't know that Bogus needs that intimate of knowledge on a plan or a policy to uh, to to keep his short sword 
sword that sharp. We're going to use a different analogy because this is just going to get sloppier the, the more we go on. The real question, though, is I, I guess it's, you know, do does Bogus need to do this? Is that important? Should you be doing this? How many things can you really stay sharp at? How many things do you really need to stay sharp at? Because if you keep getting cut, maybe you just have too many swords that you're trying to keep sharp. I mean, our main goal is to diversify our book of business, right? We, you know, we do write a lot of a lot of things, especially on the commercial side. We all feel that the future for an agency is more so commercial than personal lines, and building those commercial relationships, you know, we'll, we'll get that personal lines business eventually. But we are, you know, the, the the go-to place here in Chicago for the Polish community for contractors. You know, that's that's what everyone knows that we write. But then again, those are tough policies to manage. A lot of the ones, you know, uh, could could be smaller premiums and we're, we're trying to really diversify and, and, and you know find those professional offices and doctors you know bookstores that kind of stuff and then and really learn those products well i mean all right there's a lot there that i can't argue with and there's a lot there that i'm not sure i want to agree with i don't know maybe one thing i will say and this is coming you know from a health insurance guy um i do the more that i just kind of look at things i do kind of agree with the whole commercial thing as much as i as much as I hate to say it, I mean, I think let's put it this way: there's a there's there's going to be a lot more easy opportunity, um, again, for agencies moving forward in the commercial space, at least for the next few years, versus obviously um, the noise that is happening around personal lines, especially home and auto. Um, you know, the only people that I know that are successful in doing it, um, well. Some haven't told me how they do it. Others, you know, it's mortgage brokers, lenders, real estate people. Um, that's a common thread on, you know, being successful um, in that space. And um, it's just, you know, being networked in the community. But to say that you're going to go and, and create a, uh, you know, a content strategy focused on attracting a personal alliance with, you know, the best auto insurance in Illinois. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work um, just because there's so much. There's so much out there. And that's one thing that, you know, I, I I do have a lot of agents that ask me, say, hey, I want this to be my thing. I'm like, well, I, just, I don't know. I don't, have, I don't know how to do this, right? This is not my wheelhouse. I haven't seen anybody that I'm aware of making it work in that capacity outside of, like I said, um, more so on the, you know, the, the network marketing per se versus anything else. Now, what's interesting is that Bogus says like, hey, we, we, we think we're going to get the commercial and, and then backdoor our way into the personal lines, which, I mean, I don't know, kind of sounds like a good idea, but, you know, I mean, are you going to write the commercial for the entire company or just the, you know, just the key decision makers? I mean, maybe those are a couple nice accounts. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Again, just like I said, there's a whole lot of in the middle here that I just, I really can't really commit to one way or the other. And I think that it's okay to kind of want to, you know, shift into one direction to go one way, because the more that you do sit in the middle, the more that you just kind of are indifferent to two things as it's just like, yeah, this, this sounds like, Hey, let's diversify. And that makes more sense. I mean, I don't, 
you know, that sounds like bogus. And I mean, I know they do because bogus has told me, you know, and again, it seems like contractors seems to be the winning ticket in a lot of commercially focused agencies, but they want to get into the office buildings, the doctor's offices and things like that. And I mean, I don't know, again, coming, this is full disclaimer, uh, you know, health insurance guy talking about commercial insurance for the next 30 seconds. So you've been warned. Uh, I've been doing it for a little bit longer than that, but I think, you know, where I'm getting here. I mean, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go into a new niche and I want to learn these products, I want to take it to the level that I know bogus seems to be, um, possibly unhealth, healthy, unhealthily. That is not a word. Um, obsessed with learning and understanding these things. I mean, go super niche on something super big, right? Like go after a big opportunity. And that's the, I guess maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I'm just so ho-hum on the whole thing because I kind of want a little gusto in my life, right? I just, I want a little bravado. I want somebody to sweep me off my feet and tell me something that is magical and fairy tale like ending. And I guess maybe I'm not getting any of that, right? Doctor's office is really just not doing it for me. It's not getting me there. And, you know, let's go super, super niche on something super big. What does that mean? I don't know. It means, well, uh, what's the potential here? What, you know, contractors, at least from the ones in the Polish community that, you know, Hansel and Associates has commonly done business with, maybe isn't as big as they might want it to be. And okay, that's fine. Um, maybe they go after bigger contractors that are maybe a little more substantial. Maybe they raise the bar there. I don't, I don't know what the threshold is. I guess I'm a terrible person. I didn't ask bogus what kind of really those benchmarks were, but my guess is, is we're talking, you know, somewhere maybe under 10 or $15,000 annual premium. I don't know. That's just a guess. Uh, but I mean, why not go big, you know, swing for the fence there. Or, I mean, just uh, use your imagination, right? use your imagination. And I don't, I keep pushing for this because I, I think, I mean, I think there's likes, I just, I think there's something there because I think it's so underserved. It's just so neglected by everybody else in society that these commercial accounts, there's just not a whole lot of competition and there's just a whole lot of opportunity. And I just, I don't know. And I'm not saying bogus is doing this, but I just, I've talked to a lot of agents that they don't want to do it they, or, you know, maybe they're not interested. That's fine. You don't have to be. I'm not saying you have to be, but I mean, you know, like let's say a real estate developer or somebody that owns like, you know, large apartment complexes, right? Let's figure out that guy, you know, let's figure out what a, a $50,000 commission looks like. And let's work our way back from there. And let's see if we can't crank this machine up, right? Let's, I mean, that's now that you got my attention. Now we're really talking here and boy, I'm listening, right? Because I think the worst thing that we can do, the worst thing, sorry, bogus, but the worst thing is I just, I, I just think that we can't sell everything to everyone. Now, because of the way that the agency was started and the history um, of the agency, all of our agents write everything. So there isn't really a department for personal lines, a department for commercial lines, a department for health and life. And that's something that we are eventually wanting to do with those goals. One of the problems is telling the agents that we have now what they should be doing. 
because they've been doing the same thing for so long. So do we go back and, and tell them, hey, you know, you're strong commercially. You know, we want you to stay more so on the commercial lines. You can handle all the new personal lines business you have on your book right now. But going forward, we're just going to give you new commercial leads uh, versus personal lines leads. And, you know, so-and-so is going to be handling the personal line. Do we go back and do that or do we just start hiring new agents and building that from there? First, I mean, that sounds kind of terrible. I mean, you know, again, everyone's selling everything. Second, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Just wouldn't hurt. I mean, there's nothing that says you can't just remind them whose name's on the door, who they're working for, right? Listen, I mean, I know they've been doing their thing for however long and we want to keep things amicable. We want to keep things peaceful, productive, and on track. But I mean, let's be honest, if somebody's better at something than something else, it's kind of like your moral duty to let them know that they are better at this thing, focusing on the positive. You don't really need to tell them how bad they suck at the other thing, but telling them how good they are at this other thing seems like something that, you know, albeit not the first conversation you really sign up to have every day, but I think it's one that is fully justifiable and valid and, and, and one that I necessarily wouldn't be worried about. Uh, and who knows? My guess is they've probably been hating some of these uh, other things that they've been mediocre to below average at selling. And they might be relieved that, hey, listen, oh, you see this too? You finally see how terrible I am at this? Because I thought I was the only one and I just had to deal with it every day just on my terribleness. Like I just needed to wallow in my own mediocrity and I was just kind of hoping somebody might come pull me out and save me from it. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a little too um, optimistic, but maybe it's possible. Just live there with me. Just come there. Just come here with me. We'll just hang out for a minute and just pretend like that's reality. Even if it's not, right? Even if it's not, there's nothing wrong with, you know, just a little good old reassignment, right? And I think we're probably maybe just a little bit slightly guilty of this in the insurance industry and our agencies because we kind of let things become a thing and then we just never let them not be a thing again because, you know, reasons of not wanting to take things away. Now, to the point that Bogus says, should I just hire some people new? I don't know. I mean, what... Can you? Do you need to? Is that going to fit? What about the old guys? Are they just going to continue to do their everything to every one thing? It's too many things. And is that going to kind of just be some dead weight in some areas, right? Because again, they're just not good at this thing. I think I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. I'm guessing bogus, completely guessing. I'm thinking that unless you're willing to just kind of, you know, I mean, cut the cut the cut the snake off at the head, the head off at the snake. I don't know. I think that's a saying. If you're willing to just do that and just say, hey, "Listen, we're going to maybe move on from some of these guys that are okay at, at or really good at this thing, and they're not, they're not. Maybe they're not looking for the reassignment, right? Maybe if you're willing to maybe move on from those guys, um, then maybe. I just don't want. I don't. I don't want. Uh, the, 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 the fear that I would have if you're bringing on new people for this kind of culture shift of we're going to just really do the things that you're really good at and maybe try and forget a little more of the things that you're not so good at. If, if we're moving into that place, into that space and culture for your agency, uh, you know, I just, I can't, I can't, if you're going to, if you're going to not get rid of any of the old people and then hire these new people, I just feel like there's just 
a lot of room for waste, redundancy, excess, bloat, whatever, that you uh, probably will end up regretting more than anything just to appease, you know, the 25-year-old vet's feelings on his ability to sell an umbrella policy. Again, I don't know. But it's ultimately not up to them, right? I mean, well, kind of, not really. Again, it's not up to them. I mean, you're the big boss, right? Be the big boss. Let them know what's up and say, hey, listen, uh, yeah, for the record, John, you just, you can't, we think we might need to move on from this. And I don't know, might be refreshing, might be okay. Because, I don't know, I would like to see an insurance agency that's just clicking on all cylinders, guns blazing, coming out, shooting, uh, yeah, with people that are like the best of the best at what they do. And that's a pretty dangerous place to be in. I mean, a good dangerous place because, you know, that whole, I need to sell enough to stay sharp thing. I don't know that that even exists anymore because your guys will be such freaking studs at what they're doing. There's really not going to be a need for anybody else to be, you know, kind of moseying around their business. They're going to know what needs to be done more than anybody else. And they're not going to need anybody else to tell them how to do it because that's the only thing that they can do. And the only thing that's going to happen from you staying sharp is, well, you're probably just going to hurt yourself. You know those times when you have to try excessively hard not to violently scream at somebody in public? Well, had maybe one of those situations. Uh, just a quick, uh, I was on the road obviously all last week and as such of dealing with you know people in public situations at uh, any great length, there's a good chance you might have a story or two to tell. And so I just want to pass this along because it was, wasn't really funny at the time, but it's kind of funny now, so uh, I'll share it with you. So... Um, legitimately, like legitimately missed my flight to Miami. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll touch base on how I actually got on it in a second, but legitimately missed my flight. So, um, first things first, a couple don'ts on the list of things that I found to not do when traveling. And one of them I kind of already knew. Second one, I kind of forgot it actually had happened to me before. Um, so one, don't pick up your daughter, like really close to the time that you have a flight from preschool. Uh, just you're just messing with trouble. Too many moving parts. There's like there's a pants situation involved in there. I'm not gonna get into that. But um, anyways, so I get to the airport, got all my camera gear, all my stuff, which is excessive, and could be misconstrued for any number of explosive devices at any point in time. It's all just crammed into one bag. And I was like, man, they're gonna look through this thing. This is ridiculous. I can't even barely close it. I was trying to. Yeah. Anyways, might might check a bag next time. Anyways, so I was like, I know this is going to happen. I still should have enough time to get through security and we'll be all right. And they'll still go through it. They'll rummage. They'll do whatever. Uh, Well, they were excessively thorough. Upon their excessively thorough examination, their little swabby sticks picked up a whatever substance. They said it set off the alarms. And for the record, um, don't pack your bag or don't use a bag that has been exposed to drywall dust because I'm pretty sure that's the substance that set that off. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to second base with TSA in front of like a spectating audience, which was a good time always. Um, so there's that. All the while, I'm hearing over the PA system, uh, Joseph Jingola, please report to whatever gate, terminal, I don't know. 
uh, this is your final call. And I'm like, hey, listen, guys, that's me. They're, they're talking to me, which has never happened before. And I was like, can we do something about this? Can you call to my gate? We don't have the number. Of course you don't. Why would you? Uh, okay, great. So they finally finished, uh, you know, publicly violating me and my belongings. Finally get all that together. I'm sprinting, or I'm walking hastily through the airport. And I get to the gate. And like right out of a scene in a movie, the door, it is closed. And I'm just standing there, only person there, with the other people waiting to get on some other flight. Just They're just kind of looking at me like I'm a sad puppy. And I'm like, yeah, I know, right? What an idiot who misses their flight. Apparently this guy. And then this is where the, the act of almost hostility comes into play. There's a lady sitting there, and she goes, are you, are you on the flight to Miami? I was like, well, I should be. And she's like, yeah, they closed the door. They were calling your name, though. They were really calling your name. I was like... Lady, I heard them calling my name. Just because they were calling my name doesn't mean I could do anything about it. I couldn't get out of that unwanted physical advance from TSA. I was stuck. There was nothing I could do. I know I should have been there early. I get it, my fault. But in the moment of you just want to jump out a window anyways kind of moment, and then somebody says that to you, not a great recipe. I kept it, I kept it together. Even kept it together talking to everybody. Anyways, I get, I did get on the plane. Uh, like one of the luckiest situations in my entire life. The plane had like a mechanical malfunction, and that allowed them to open the door again. And I just kind of slipped in. Anyways, happy ending. Made it to Miami on time, uh, but completely almost missed my plane. I was gonna kind of talk about uh, a couple other things, you know, the window and you know somebody with old lady smell but we'll get into that next time possibly but let me know if you were on the road for any of those conferences or have recently been traveling what are some of your great stories what are some of the things that you have learned to avoid such as excessive amounts of electronic equipment and drywall dust joey at agencynation.com would love to hear some of your things so i can maybe prevent that from happening to me in the future joey at agencynation.com 